My daddy's gone on, my grandpa's gone on, my great-grandpa's gone on. But they still live. You know, the, the spray is still here. Well, they tell me of a home where no storm clouds rise. Tell me of a home far away. Welcome everybody to It Still Lives. This is going to be our last episode before the holidays, which is pretty exciting um, and amazing that it's already almost the new year. So <laughs> we're going to talk about some Christmas traditions today for you. And then we'll be back around mid-January because we are closed until the beginning of January um, with a shorter episode. And then we'll have our first full episode again in February on the first Tuesday of the month. So bear with us as we take a short break, but we'll definitely still have some content out for you. So TJ, what's one of your favorite Christmas memories? Uh, probably, um, not to diverge from our normal sort of discussion of folk tradition and whatnot, but my favorite Christmas tradition is probably Christmas 1986. It's the Christmas that I got my first Nintendo gaming system. <laughs> And uh, the game Metroid, and it was a big surprise, and waking up to that on that Christmas morning was pretty special. Do you have any, like, special Christmas traditions that you guys do every year? Yeah, well, for the long, you know, it changes as you get older, uh, but my childhood, um, we, my, my father's side of the family is, is quite large, and um, we used to always get together at my uncle's house uh, for both Thanksgiving and for uh, Christmas Eve. And that was just like a great big celebration and all the cousins, like I'm the oldest of, I think, 13 grandchildren. Uh, so getting together with all those kids and my uncles and aunts and, uh, you know, playing football out in the yard during the day and uh, always getting to open that one gift on Christmas Eve or several gifts, actually, from all the aunts and uncles. Um, just like, a, you know, Christmas was just such a big deal um, for me during my childhood because of that experience so just just having time with family was really like the the, the primary tradition i guess what about yeah, you that's always the best part we you know we definitely changed over the years as our family has grown and moved away but it used to always be you know split the families one on christmas eve one on christmas day but in terms of like our immediate family i would say probably christmas breakfast is like the thing i look forward to most yeah, every year yes because mom always makes something special for Christmas breakfast. Um, like you know. like breakfast casseroles? No, like really fancy like breads or scones. Whoa. Um, and then we get like special bacon or ham. And I mean, it's a feast. Um, but, you know, always eating it off the special Christmas dishes. <laughs> yeah, yeah. My, um, my oldest son loves to make sausage balls. Eli, he's that's his that's his thing, and he's got his grandmother's recipe. That They're really really good, and so like you make you can make a bunch of them, and just like keep them in a Tupperware in the fridge. You can eat them hot, you can eat them cold. They're just like it's just <laughs> like the holiday snack in our house during Thanksgiving and Christmas is that we've got to have a batch of of sausage balls mm. available. Our thing is Christmas cookies. My mom makes like, I don't know, 10 dozen Christmas cookies. That sounds amazing. Every year. And every batch of cookies is different. So like each year she tries to find a new cookie recipe. Frosted? A lot of international ones. Like frosted sugar cookies? Like that kind of stock Christmas um, cookie? or No. 
the glittery she'll, ones. She'll always make <laughs> like a, a sugar cookie, like a traditional Christmas cookie. Um, but then she does like the like Mexican wedding mm-hmm. balls, and then she does pistachio cookies. And she found this like Russian orange cookie. It's like Amazing. a Russian spicy orange cookie, and then lemon cookies and. Um, fudge and oh my god her caramel <laughs> corn is to die for and so by the time Christmas rolls around like we don't want to see another cookie for a whole year yeah because that's all we do right just every night we just yeah. have cookies right on and they're amazing but it's a lot so and I make marshmallows every year that's my sweet treat that sounds marshmallows delicious so as you can see we're very healthy yes <laughs> during the Christmas season I don't think I don't think Christmas season is the time to be worrying about all that it's just, you know. No, it's great. I love it. You wait all year for it. So, very excited. But, um, anyway, in Appalachia, from the research we've been doing, Christmas typically did not involve quite as many cookies as I consume. Um, and actually, I was surprised to find out that Christmas traditions, like as we practice them today, didn't really land in Appalachia until like the 1900s. So, a lot of the Christmas traditions that we celebrate today, like, the Christmas tree, decorating the Christmas tree, um, caroling, all of that came out of the Victorian period. Mm-hmm. Thank you, Prince Albert, because um, <laughs> he brought over the tradition of the Tannenbaum or the German Christmas tree right. to the uh, palace. And obviously, Queen Victoria was like, you know, on everybody's front page. So everybody saw that the royal family was gathered around this German Christmas tree, and that's kind of when things blew up. But from the records that we have here at Foxfire, all, most people didn't really see a Christmas tree until the 19-teens or 1920s. And most often that was at their local church rather than in their home. Right. Um, but they I, did still, like, practice some, you know, other traditions within the home. I mean, I would just make a, a, a guess or an inference that really just, I mean, nationwide, Christmas as we know it today didn't really get going until, like, post-World War II. Oh, yeah, definitely. And, and, <laughs> Commercial <laughs> Christmas. Yes. So. <laughs> and uh, and where, where, you know, everybody has to have a tree or several. Yeah. And, and a lot of these, you know, are Christmas songs. Like, you think about things that are staples for us now for Christmas songs outside of the traditional, like, uh, Christian hymns and Christian carols. Mm-hmm. All of that came out of post-World War II yeah. America or during the war. Or during the war. Um, as a as a morale booster, as a, a means of unifying the nation behind you know this. Yeah, it's kind of amazing what Christmas has grown into. Um, you know, I mean, back in the eighteen hundreds and early nineteen hundreds, most people their celebration of Christmas was you know maybe a little bit bigger of a meal than normal. Right. You know, or they would make a sweet treat, which would often be sweet bread mm-hmm. sweetened only with molasses. Which we um, we actually yep. <laughs> baked here and tried it, and it's not sweet at all. Um, not by not del- by our standards. Yeah, it's it's delicious. Yeah, we highly recommend it. You can, but it's a heartier kind of sweet bread. Yeah, it's not like the sweet sweetness that we're used to now. Mm. You know, and then some families practice Santa Claus, um, and those people would typically just hang out a stocking or two, and inside their stocking they would get an orange. If they're lucky, yes. Yeah, a nut mm-hmm. and maybe a stick of candy, which is just amazing because, you know, 
I grew up and we always had a bowl of mixed nuts at the table mm-hmm. during the holidays. And there were the people who hated Brazil nuts. And then there was me who liked the Brazil nuts. Mm-hmm. But I never thought about the fact that a Brazil nut is actually like really exotic mm-hmm. type of food. Which is what people would get in their stockings was typically a Brazil nut. When I was a kid, my grandmother, my nana, so my mother's mother, lived with us. And she always made sure that my stocking had an orange and a a substantial amount of uncracked nuts. Walnuts, almonds, hazelnuts, pecans, and Brazil nuts. Yeah. And that was always in my stocking, and I didn't. My my grandmother was born in uh, 1911, mm-hmm. um, so like, and she grew up in the Midwest from Iowa. Um, but so, that was you know, I didn't even think about it. Like it just was always there mm-hmm. until it wasn't, and then and then you know, and I would talk to other people like, "Did you get oranges and nuts?" And no, you know, a lot of my friends just didn't get that stuff. Yeah. Um, so it was always cool to have, you know, to think back on that. Like, oh, my, my, my Nana was, you know, perpetuating something from her, probably mm-hmm. her childhood. But today we're talking about another type of tradition that was commonly found in Appalachia, especially in the 18th and 19th century, known as serenading. And this is not the type of serenading that we think of today, singing a beautiful song to someone or caroling outside somebody's home. Um, serenading in this region has been traced back to um, practices from the old world in Europe. And it's connected to traditions of what's known as shivery or sharivari and belling and mumming or mummering, all of which come from France and Britain and Ireland. Um, And so we think that this tradition came over likely with the Ulster Scots who predominantly settled the region in like the 18th century. Mm-hmm. Um, and so the way that translates into Appalachia is around Christmas as a form of celebration, people would sneak up on homes um, in the middle of the night and make as much ruckus as they could, including the use of fireworks and firearms. <laughs> yes, and pots and pans. Um, yeah, it's, 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 uh, it's a form of high play. Uh, or high our performance play in the new Foxfire book that's coming out in April. I spend a little time talking about serenading. The uh, <clears throat> connection that I make is is my experience in Louisiana uh, with the with the Mardi Gras tradition in, in Louisiana. Not the New Orleans Mardi Gras tradition or the the urban Mardi Gras traditions, but the traditions of Acadiana, uh, Southwest Louisiana, the rural Mardi Gras, uh, also known as a courier. Uh, same kind of uh, idea with, uh, again, a highly stylized play. There's some costuming involved. Uh, there's a lot of, uh, you know, merrymaking and that sort of thing. Although, albeit the Mardi Gras is a little bit more uh, sophisticated in, in sort of the the um, the rigidity of the play or the, 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 uh, the form of the play. But um, the idea is the same, is that this is an opportunity to reconnect as a community through... Being Can, silly yeah. <laughs> and having fun and 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 existing in in almost a a, a form of liminality. It's a it's a liminal space yeah. around a a, a uh, um, sacred time. I've heard it described as controlled conflict <laughs> or controlled chaos. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. So it's it's a time to let loose and break social order, but 
by coming together as a community, you're, you're kind of allowing this to happen in a, in a manner that won't actually disrupt right. community and, bonds. And, and the idea is once people create this racket that the family would then invite them into their home. Yes. So it's basically, you know, what we call trick-or-treating now or what trick-or-treating used to be. Right. Um, and so placating the rebel makers by sharing food yes. with them in your home. And, and in, in that regard, it's very much similar to those those country Mardi Gras. Um, and also, too, the, you know, the, the, the element of masking is really interesting because part of the Part of what gives the the revelers the freedom to um, be chaotic or be you know act out and, and 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 play in this manner is that they are concealed. Their identities are concealed behind a costume. In the case of the chivalry or the serenading, um, or not the chivalry, but the serenading in Appalachia, a lot of times the young people would cross dress. So the young men would dress as young women. Young women would dress as young men. They may you know wear something that you make up on their face mm-hmm. or dirty their face or something like that. And that, that elevates the play even more because they feel um, they're, they're, they're guarded behind this masking ritual. Uh, and then, yeah, once, once the lights come on and they're invited inside, uh, things come off, people are recognized, uh, greeted, welcomed into the home and they share a meal or share a snack or something like that. And, and again, it's, as you were saying, it's a unifying, uh, a moment of unifying within the community. Yeah, so we've got four excerpts today, and we're going to just kind of let them explain in further detail what serenading actually is. And two of these interviews come from a series of interviews that Foxfire students did in 1985 as part of a Christmas project, and that eventually became the Foxfire Christmas book. Um, so if you guys are interested in reading more stories about serenading, um, I would definitely recommend picking up a copy of A Foxfire Christmas. And then again, as TJ mentioned, his book will be coming out in April and that'll have a chapter um, with some more context, I think, and background information on serenading. And then the other two interviews are um, just from the 1970s and were part of the normal interviews that were conducted. So the first one is from Lawton Brooks. The second one is from Ernest Watts. The third is from Burma Patterson. And then the final one is um, from Mary Carpenter, who we featured in our October episodes, sharing a story um, about a witch who visited her. So you might recognize her voice. (laughs) But this is her account of serenading um, as children. So we hope you enjoy them. And as always, feel free to reach out to us at itstilllives at foxfire.org or reach us out to us on Twitter. And that's it still lives in the number one. Um, so we hope you all have a really happy holiday, whichever way you choose to celebrate. And we will be back again in January with a shorter episode for you guys. Merry Christmas and happy holidays to everybody. Happy New Year. How do you used to celebrate Christmas? Oh, well, back then there wasn't much Christmas, to tell you the truth now. There wasn't, there wasn't too much Christmas to it because there wasn't nothing for you to have like it is now Christmas. You didn't have it. We didn't know what a firecracker was. Never hear tell of a darn firecracker. We all the noise that we made for Christmas and serenading people and shooting, we done it with a shotgun. Uh-huh. We'd get shotgun shells and pitch cents a bottle. And you do that? And then we'd get out there and shoot them things to serenade people. If I to get so hot, we'd have to send them down way a while and then start again. <laughs> well, what, but, what was the purpose of serenading? Well, we, that just that just a habit of going around doing that on Christmas time. On Christmas Eve, or yeah, and uh, they'd always take us in then and feed us. Everybody's looking for a bunch anyway. They figured, but 
would come. Uh, so you just did and, it to get they, something to they, eat? They, yeah, they'd take us in and have something for us to eat and sometimes give us a Christmas present or something or another. So we'd go on into another, do that all night nearly. What, what exactly is serenading? Uh, well, just getting out and going around. Uh, you just slip up to the house and they don't know nothing about it and you just come out shooting ringing bells and things, just going around the house making the darnest noise you ever seen. With you in the bed, you just, well, get up, you sure God can't sleep. <laughs> <laughs> and you have to get up and ask the men. <laughs> Do you ever get in trouble for that? Uh, no, no. And uh, We played Christmas tricks on people now. Like what? Uh, well, uh, people then, they, they'd always go to their, their barn about their milk and one thing or another. Well, you'd see them going with a little bucket of water and a milk bucket in their hand. So if a uh, cow had laid down or anything, had any trash or anything, well, they'd uh, wash, her, wash her other all good, you know. And then they'd say, down milk. Well, we'd go before they'd do that that night. We'd go and uh, while they'd asleep, and we'd take a horse out of one stall, put the horse in the cow stall, put the cow over in the horse's stall. And they'd see them going and we'd watch them next morning get a big life out of that, you know. Mm -hmm. And they'd go to milk and they'd go and open up the door and I'd stand the old horse in there. Boy, they'd get mad, they'd throw the bucket down in the ground. <laughs> <laughs> mad enough to kill somebody, they didn't know who done it though. But we had a lot, we got a lot of kick out of it, as kids did. But we'd do all kinds of tricks like that to them. Do you remember any other kind of tricks you used to do? Oh, we'd do all kinds of mean tricks we'd do to them. Um, so y'all just did this at Christmas time, right? Yeah, long Christmas time. And we always uh, had a lot of fun. At how how time. many got, people used to go? Huh? How many oh, people? Oh, they'd be uh, 25 or 30 of them. Just, just kids? Yeah, pretty good size. From your side, like these boys here. About, about like these boys here. And the girls, they'd join us too, and we'd all go. God, we all went. Made some kind of a noise somewhere. Do you remember any funny experiences that happened when you were doing that? Well, I don't know. I had a lot of fun. I had so much fun. I had a lot of fun. But we didn't have nothing then to have fun with. So we'd had all, we had to walk. Sometimes we'd go for it for five or six miles. Take us half a night to get back after we got two serenading people. Who, who'd you serenade? Anybody? All, just all the people lived around in the country. They just lived around. They wasn't thick settled though. Uh -huh. Like oh, here, it might be somebody live here. Maybe it might be a half a mile out there to the next house, maybe a mile. But we'd go and just keep it going and we'd give them all a good round and anywhere as close as we could get in without being gone all night long. But we'd never get in the way long up in the morning. So you stayed out pretty late? Huh? You stayed out pretty late? Oh yeah, stayed out the way late. Had to, to get to, get to do anything to them for Christmas, you know. What'd your parents say about it? You staying out late and well, messing around? Well, they didn't care. They didn't care. They noticed that everybody else done it. It was just a habit of everybody doing it just like it is here going trick-and-treating, you know, and uh, they just run on that same basis, and uh, everybody done it, and they just gather up boys and girls, and they just take off, do all kinds of mean tricks to people. So what else Move did you... their stuff, hide some of their stuff, hide their axes or something or other, whatever they could find loose laying out, they'd hide it. They wouldn't pity where he couldn't never find it, but he'd have maybe hunt two or three days before he <laughs> found it. Just think, uh, be mean, that's all. And you shot off guns and... Oh, we shot old shotguns. The buyers would get the hot, we'd have to, we couldn't hold them. We'd have to turn them down the rest of the wall. Let them cool off and then send in again, making noise. 
We went to Cernate one time and we went, uh, we walked, there's snow on the ground. It's cold, pretty cold. So we went up by Liberty and we Cernated Mr. and Jim Collin, Mr. and Jim, Mr. and Ms. Jim Collin back. And it just liked to tickle them to death because nobody never come around them. They were old and us young people went in and talked with them. They treated us. We went on up the road to Mr. Dave Crumblin's, went in there and serenaded them. Then went on up to Sylvester Brown's, serenaded him. They always treated us. We had firecrackers and we'd shoot them. A lot of times I'd start to light one. If somebody lit first, I'd throw mine anyhow. I'm afraid it was going to go off my finger. So we went on over to Mr. Isaac Brown's. He was up in his, I guess, around 65, 70 years old, about 65 years old, I guess he was. And we asked him if he wanted to go with us. He said, yeah, I'll go with you. He's a spry old man. He just get about. So we went over to Mr. Jesse Carnes, surnated him, and then turned, come back by and surnated old man Mark Carnes. Didn't come by and serenaded old man Lashcorn, one of the girls I used to go with. Then I had, then we come from there on back to Liberty Church. And this happened to be the, the night that uh, was New Year's night. We started on New Year's night. We decided we'd ring the old year out and the new one in. So we got around and we sat around till about midnight. When come 12 o'clock, we rang the bell for about 30 minutes and then took off. Went home, everybody. Well, now when y'all serenaded, were you singing? Oh, uh, we didn't sing. Now, see, I always, I always think bell, serenade, we had old cowbell. We you're had, just making noise. Yeah, just made a racket. Yeah. Big racket. We'd have firecrackers and shotguns. We hardly ever carried shotguns. I'm afraid somebody gets shot, we'd carry firecrackers. Two of them be lighting the firecracker at the same time. When that started peeling, I'd just throw them out. Yeah. <laughs> and and uh, why do you reckon it got the name Serenading? I really don't know what it had Serenading. I don't know how it got Serenading. Yeah. But that's what it was, Serenading. But no singing. <laughs> no singing. We never sing now. They sing carols now. But we right. Well, I yeah, they carol singing. But we didn't back then. We didn't sing. Did I remember all? Mm -hmm. We'd holler and hoot. Yeah. And uh, shoot firecrackers. And then sometimes, did you play dirty tricks on people if they didn't... Uh... That was in Halloween. No, oh, I thought it that played... Was not Christmas time. We never, we never did play no dirty tricks on nobody. If they didn't treat us right, we just went on. Um, did you ever go serenading? Oh, yeah, that was our... We would go on... We went... Christmas Eve night and Sunday night serenading. Now that was the most fun that you, that I, oh, we looked forward to that every year. And on New Year's night we'd go serenading. And us girls would take the cowbells. We'd take the cowbells off of the cows. Uh, and the men, the boys, would take real shotguns. They didn't have firecrackers to start with. And they'd take shotguns, you know, to shoot all around the house. You know, everywhere we went, they treated us, either if it wasn't candy, apples, oranges, or something like that. They was real good to get up and open the door. They sprayed we'd do something to them if they did, and they sprayed their wagon would be, but the boys was all good ones we was with. 
But they'd get up and, you know, they served us every place we went. They served something. Well, was it like uh, someone trick-or-treat or did you just go somewhere uh -huh. No, you was real quiet. And everybody walked in. You didn't go in the car, no way. You walked. And we walked in the neighborhood. We was real quiet. And we wait till we just get right the house. Then go shooting and running around the house. Just running around the house, ringing the bells and shooting and screaming to the top of our voice. And uh, would it be dark? It'd be dark. They'd have every light off with a lamp. After a while, we didn't run around that long till we'd see them strike a match and light that lamp, that kerosene lamp, open the door and say, y'all come in. Then we'd quit shooting, quit ringing our bell. <laughs> and they would have the cake out and little pieces for us or an apple for everyone or an orange candy. Mm -hmm. And some of them would have something to drink. And if we wasn't hungry, we, we would take it. We would be loaded, kind of like trick or treat. We'd be loaded. Then we'd get through serenading and go back down the road and the boys would go out in the woods and get a lot of wood, just old wood, we'd build up a big bonfire and and have, tell tales and, and play please to this please till midnight. People have sermons. Yeah, yeah, tell us about those. Oh, they'd go around at Christmas time, you know, and they would uh, ring bells and shoot guns straight up, you know, yeah. and be old pans and scream and holler, you know. And you could look for it, but it's sort of like what children go around to now, it's trick and treat. Right, yeah. Only they called it surnating. Well, if somebody got newly married or just moved in, they would get a surnating. Well, you could as well figure on having the oranges and the cake and the candies and whatever you was going to give them, because when they got through their racket, well, then they come in. you get to them. Well, at Christmas time, well, they'd put in for a week at time every night. Just going from house to house is fun, you know. That's all the fun they was. If you don't like that, you can throw it away. I like it. <laughs>